Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to our first ever one-on-one -on -one with Up To Us Sports. And today we're joined by someone who I've been anxiously waiting having this conversation with. She's a WNBA champion, an all-star. She's an Up To Us Sports ambassador, the author of the first and soon to be bestseller book, They Better Call Me Sugar, My Journey From the Hood to the Hardwood. And she's featured in a documentary, in a documentary which you can find on YouTube, Scratching the Surface, Sugar Rogers' Sweet Connection to Gold and the Emotional Return Home. And, um, and so I want you all to please welcome Miss Sugar Rogers. Hello, everyone. Hey, so this has been in the works for a minute, Sugar, and I've been, like I said, I've been really excited um, to have this conversation with you, mainly because, um, you know, what we do and the youth that we work with, really, you are our youth. Um, you are that kid. And so this is what we do this for. Um, we're an organization that supports and trains coaches um, who work with kids who are coming out of some of the um, most impoverished communities, um, underserved communities, kids who just need to have that strong mentor and coach behind them. And so um, to hear your story in your book um, and also your documentary, um, it just has always put me in the space of this is why we do this. This is why we do this. So welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I had an opportunity to catch you on uh, the MBS Sports um, Hour with Joe and Pat. So shout out to Joe and Pat on the podcast last night. And you talked a lot about your transition from being um, a player to being a coach to, um, you know, these different facets that are happening now in your life. And so um, let's jump in and let's talk a little bit about, first of all, the book. So I want to show everybody the book. Oh, right. <laughs> oh, I have it. I keep it with me. I refer to it often. Um, we're going to have information about how you can purchase the book um, in the chat. So everybody, you can just uh, keep checking on that. Um, but really, tell me a little bit about how did you, how did you get to this decision? Because you reveal some really personal stuff in the book about your childhood, about how you grew up. Um, so how did you get to that point where you said, now it's time for me to speak my truth about who I am and how I got here? Um, I think for the most part, like when I was in college, uh, one of my coaches was like, look, I suggest that you go to therapy. I understand like you went through a lot of, and had a lot of childhood trauma. So I was like, ah, a little iffy about it. And um, I went and I never, I never talked really in the sessions. So the therapist was like, how about you just write, write, write it down? And that's how I came about like really telling my truth. And when I wrote those stories down, I would go back and read them like, oh man, like you really went through all of this, like just talking to myself. And I was like, I need to share these stories because I know like somebody's out there going through some of the same things or something more difficult than what I went through. And I was like, let's just write, like, I'm gonna write a book. So my junior year, I could have graduated college and um, I decided like I was going to stay. Uh, and then my senior year, I was like, I'm going to write a book. And then I took like an independent class where it focused on writing a book. I know some of y'all like, oh, it just came out. But taking a book and, you know, taking and writing a book, it takes time. And then just having to go through, go to therapy and continue um, to get these stories out in the way that I wanted to get them out. Um, and then having to dig into all of the, the trauma that I had that I never really dealt with because I used to compartmentalize a lot of those things and didn't really want to talk about those things. But I was like, oh, no, if I write a book, I share it, it'll be able to help somebody. So that's what I did. So what was that process like for you? So as someone who has a background in therapy, right, for years, I was a, a licensed therapist and you're one of those, you know, clients that we get that it's like, how do we get you to talk? How do we get you? And thankfully you found a therapist who knew how to work with what your strengths were to get you to open up. Um, but was the writing itself sort of like a, a therapeutic process for you? Did it help you to then speak it as well? Or was it just let me just write it out. Let me just write it. Is it more comfortable that way? Or what was that process like for you? Uh, 
it was therapeutic to just see it on paper. Like I said, to be able to go back and read and see like what I've been through. Um, because I used to just sit in there and he would just talk to me. And then I would, I wanted to share a story, but then I, I just started, I would just break down and just start crying. So I was like, I really didn't like crying because when growing up, I really didn't have nobody to lean on or to go talk to about like my emotions and my feelings. And as a young, as a young woman, like we, in my community, I'm like taught not to cry. So if I fall down and hurt myself, it's like, get up and try again. Like you, you can't deal with those emotions. So when I went in, I mean, he said like, just write them down and then just write them down was the best thing that ever happened to me. And the reason why I was able to get those stories out on paper and into a book. Sure, sure. So let's talk about your coaches, right? And how, because you've had several right? From the time from between basketball and golf, <laughs> you've had several coaches throughout your lifetime. So how instrumental in the book, you talk about coach Betty, who was one of the coaches that took you in um, after your mom passed. And um, you learned some lessons from her, both good and bad, right? Both good and bad. So how instrumental were your coaches or even mentors w- w- throughout your community? Because we have them, right? They're there. They're there in the community and they don't always look like people think they should look, right? You you came across drug dealers in your community, but some would say that even in them, there was some mentoring that was happening. So how instrumental were those people in your life um, from childhood going on up? I think the coaches and the mentors, and like you said, like sometimes it was the drug dealers sharing knowledge about whatever life lesson it was, but they played a significant role in my life. Um, For the most part, just giving me an outlet to just be myself and then encouraging me when I didn't believe in myself. And also like Coach Betty, like giving me a place to stay when I was in a tough situation, whether it was giving me a pride to practice, just teaching me how to be a woman. Um, I mean, I wouldn't be the woman I am today if it wasn't for the coaches and mentors I've had in my life. Sure. So now you're now you're stepping into the role of being a coach, right? Yeah. <laughs> on on two different levels. On two different levels. For those of you who don't know, um, Sugar is now coaching uh, for the Las Vegas Aces, of which a team of which you played for, um, and also uh, a coach at Georgetown. Again, another team of which you played for. So, what does that look like for you? What do you take with you as a player? Um, into this co- into this coaching space now. I mean, some people like as a like I don't want to just be considered like a basketball coach. I want to be considered a life coach mm-hmm. because through basketball you can teach a lot of different life lessons, and that's what I was able to learn and pick up from the individuals or the coaches and mentors that I had in my life. Mm-hmm. Because it's not just about basketball; it's how to get these young women and young men, uh, I mean, these boys and girls to become young women and young men. Um, So that's kind of how like I look at the whole picture of like, I'm a life coach, not like a basketball coach. That's interesting. That's interesting that you say that because, you know, I think that sometimes people go into coaching, think that that's all that they're going to do, that it's simply about the sport itself. Um, and especially when you work with kids in under-resourced communities, that there's so much more going on in their lives that sometimes it takes a minute to even get to the sport um, because you have to deal with the life stuff. So did you find that the coaches that you had, were they capable in, in addressing some of the issues or were they just kind of inadvertently <laughs> guiding you and helping you or was it really intentional for them? Um, some just help out of the kindness of their heart. Um, I see now like some help because they had some type of agenda um, when it came to me and the success that they probably could see in the future. Um, but for the ones who just, you know, came into the community, like, look, let me just grasp and understand like what you're going through. Because some of them came from the suburbs sure. and some came from within the community. Sure. So you know, the ones who did want to educate themselves, um, dealing with a child who has like anxiety, stress and trauma and um, understanding what that looks like in the supported community. Um, a lot of the times the coaches and mentors in, in the communities, some of them can't relate to the young woman and young men that are going through these things. And that's okay. 
Um, sometimes you just have to educate yourself and understand what it looks like firsthand. Sure, sure. And as a kid from a community, right, that's struggling, from a community that has some poverty, can you speak a little bit about what does that help mean, right, from people who are coming in? What does that help look like? Does that look like, um, you know, someone who thinks they know better than you, what needs to happen for you and your community? Or are, or are you looking for someone to come in and say, hey, help me rise up out of this, right, as opposed to teach me about it? Because you live it. You live it, right? Um, so what do we in the coaching community need to do better or do differently? I don't believe that someone like who hasn't experienced poverty can come in and teach you about what you live as far as poverty firsthand. I believe they have the resources to assist and break, uh, help break some of the, the vicious cycles and help improve uh, some of the things that we may be going through. But the key question is like, can you change the economic um, to fulfill everyone's needs? And, Let's be honest, like the system is broken and it has been for many years. So we must think about like how the system can be bent and changed to fit everyone's needs. Um, so, I mean, that's pretty much like my take on it. Um, sure. People sure. can agree to disagree, but if you had the resources, like come on in and help, but sure. don't tell me like what it, what it's like to live in poverty. Like I, I live this every day. Like sure. every day I wake up, like I'm in this, um, yeah. but you know, we're open to the resource so that we can get out of this situation. Sure. So that we can be better. So we can break some of these cycles that's been going on for so long. Awesome. So what are what do you say to the kids, the young kids who are like you, right? Because they're there, especially these young girls who, you know, who are struggling, who may have had a parent who, you know, is either in and out of jail or a parent who has passed away. And there's all of these traumatic events or stressful events that are occurring within their lives because of their circumstances. Um, what do you say to those little girls, to those little boys? Um, just keep pushing, take one day at a time. Like I never looked at what tomorrow is gonna be because I'm just like, oh man. You know, it may be the same as today, it may be worse, but I just, I just kept dreaming. Um, the more you dream, don't, well, don't let anybody kill your dreams for one, because it's going to be a lot of naysayers like, oh, you can't do this. You can't, but you can. If you really keep trying, you put all your energy and effort to it, you can make it out. Sure. Do you ever see yourself working with youth? Listen, I'm asking a lot because you, you, listen, you're already working with professional players. You're playing with collegiate players. Um, but do you ever see yourself or have you, I'm sure you've done camps and stuff before. How is that different? How is that, you know, cause you're catching them young when you do it that way. So do you ever see yourself after the, you know, the college season is over and the professional season is over, then you dip into a, into a camp and work with some young people? I did a camp back home where I was only able to do it one year just because of my schedule, but, um, I still have relationships with all those kids. A lot of those kids at my camp and them reaching out and just going up like, look, shit, I did this, this, and a third, or I'm about to go to this, 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 and these colleges. And I'm just like, oh man, like, that's amazing. And they talk about, you remember that time I came to your camp and I was doing this and you told me this and you told me I could do it. And that'd be the thing that'd be so touching. Like, because you said they can do it. They really believe they can do it. Um, and they was able to do it off of, some kind words that I just said to them, like, look, yeah. you can make it out. You can go be this. You can be a doctor, a lawyer, whatever the case may be, just to see them doing it. It's just like, oh man, like, yeah, the feeling in the heart. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And knowing what you know, right, just from your background and now from coaching, how does that shape you now? Like, how, how does that, you know, it's like when you're a player and you think about, oh, if I ever coach, you know, I'm gonna make my kids run, I'm gonna make them do this, I'm gonna, you know what I mean? You think about all those things that your coaches did for you, right? And you think about, I'm gonna do that or I'm not gonna do that, right? How has this shaped you now as a coach? You're stepping into this, 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 this area where now you can listen to your players and look at your players from a different lens. 
So what does that do for you as a coach? I think first and foremost, like I wouldn't be the woman I am today if I didn't experience or go through those tough times. Um, but they showed me like all those lessons just showed me how to overcome like adversity. And I always said like as a coach, like I'm not going to be a yeller because I couldn't, I didn't really like people yelling at me. I've always said like out of respect, like you can come talk to me and knowing times like you got to dig in me to get some good things out. Um, but I was like, I'm not going to be a yeller. Like I'm going to talk through the situation, um, dissect it, and then we'll just go from there. Um, just being like a player's coach and being able to relate. Like I was once in your shoes and, you know, this is what I had to do. And this is what you may have to do to, you know, be successful uh, through sports and um, just showing them how to use sports as a vehicle to create other opportunities because I think sometimes people just focus on the basketball when it came to me and not showing me how to network mm -hmm. and create other opportunities for the future. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like my thing, because everybody can't go professional. Everybody's not going to play sports. Uh, some people are not going to make it through high school, sure. but how can we use that to create other opportunities? And how can we use that to build networks uh, for us to have different resources going forward? Sure, sure. So what has it done for you? I mean, here you are, you're coaching, but you've got a lot of things in the works, right? You got your master's degree. Um, and so what were those lessons? Let's talk a little bit about those lessons, those life lessons, those business lessons, right? Because some of that is in there as well. Um, can you talk a little bit about what were those lessons and what could you potentially be, right? What could you potentially do with all of this? Um, I mean, it's a lot of lessons. I think my thing was like relationships. I try not to have bad relationships with people because you never know when you're going to need somebody. So that's kind of like the first lesson of mine. Um, and then just keeping in contact with people. So I always keep in contact with like my, my professors. Um, here's an example. Like I kept in contact with my athletic directors uh, at Georgetown University mm -hmm. and they was able to make a way for me to go back to school uh, to get my master's degree for free. So then I didn't have to pay, but that was just all about networking and keeping in contact and checking and see. Um, I mean, is there any other life lessons that you, you've learned through your journey? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that, you know, it's one of those things that you don't realize that that's what you're getting, right? Unless a coach does it intentionally. And we do have coaches, right? Hopefully our coaches at Up To Us Sports are doing it intentionally. But I think there's a lot of coaches that unintentionally tr teach some lessons about, um, you know, about not giving up about there's going to be times where things are rough and you have to find some way to dig deep and, and push through and overcome those types of obstacles. And so those are the things I think as I got older, I realized, yeah, I think I learned that when I played sports actually, you know, and it kind of set me up for that. And now I too, as a coach, try to intentionally do that now um, with my youth is, here's the lesson I want you to get from it, but I want you to take this with you in life as well um, and make it a little bit more intentional, I think, than what coaches that I had before did with me. Um, but it's interesting because, you know, the Olympics are on now, right? And everybody's talking about Simone Biles and, and all of these youth. But um, I wanna ask you, as a athlete of color, as a black woman, what is that pressure like, right? When, and you've played at the, at the highest level, what is that pressure like? Because you'll hear a lot of people say, you know, you don't give up on your team. You don't, you know, people have these criticisms of, of young athletes, especially athletes of color about how they're showing up and being teammates and, 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 and um, achieving their goals without really knowing for sure what that pressure is like. So what is that pressure like? I mean, there's a lot of pressure on you. Um, every time you, you step out there, um, I mean, you got to show up for your family, your teammates, uh, for the fans every night. Uh, I think the pressure as far as like mentally, sometimes we don't understand like what people are going through mentally. So for her to drop out and say, look, I have something going through mentally, like we should never question that because mental health is real. Um, you see it 
take people out of here every day. Um, so just the once somebody say that, it shouldn't be no more question in my eyes. Uh, mm -hmm. So once they say, I'm like, all right, done. Like, it's nothing. Like, let her be and let her take a break. Like, she's on the highest level. Like, to be able to play at the Olympics and do what she do day in and night out. I mean, I can only imagine, you know, that type of pressure. Sure. Um, so just just take your time like to, to educate yourself on mental um, health awareness. Yeah, I, I think, you know, that's that's a big difference, Sugar. You know, like I said, I'm a little bit older than you. And and when we were younger, um, there was no real conversation, especially not for athletes, because athletes were perceived as these superhuman, you know, super strong, you know, mentally strong people um, who can overcome anything, right? That's, that's what was, that's what the perception was, wasn't the truth, <laughs> right? But that's what the perception was. And so, um, we didn't have those conversations about mental health and taking care of yourself and making sure that you're mentally and physically well, cause it's all connected, right? When you're meant, when you're not mentally well, you set yourself up for not being physically well as well. Um, and so it's just a different time. So I'm glad that the conversations are happening, right? That um, we allow um, young people to say, I've got to take note of where I am mentally. And if that means I have to check out of my sport for a minute, that that's okay, that that's okay to do it. And I'm hoping that through, you know, our programs and what we're teaching coaches to do, I'm hoping that we're moving in that direction right now that coaches aren't the ones who are pushing for you to continue on, but are the ones who are stepping back and saying, let's take a pause for a minute and let's make sure that you're, that you're okay. Yeah, um, so, mental break. Like, yeah. I'll yeah. tell them, even on my job, like, all right, it's too much going on. Like I need a mental break. Um, yeah. But we should be able to take a pause and take a deep breath because it's so much pressure on athletes to perform um there's so much pressure for people who just on a regular job like to perform so I mean, if you need a mental break you need a pause like take it sure how what do you think the role is in in social media because that you know that's a, a big thing are you on social media are, are you i know people follow you and all of that but what's that pressure like i mean people are oh sugar we think you're wonderful but it's not always all good you know no, it's not, especially when you're losing. Um, <laughs> right. But sometimes I don't like get on social media. Um, and then I have like my cousin, she'll just get up there, log in and do some things uh, for me. But social media is a, a different ball game. Um, yeah. Yeah. When it comes to like mental health awareness. Uh, Absolutely. Because a lot of people don't live what they post on social media. Yeah. So when they go home, it's just like a reality check. Like, this is how I'm living. Um, so, I mean, it could be false advertisement in a sense. So you definitely be careful. You got to be careful when you introduce your kids to social media. Um, it needs to be some lessons given because a lot of things young people post can hunt them in the future sure. when it comes to getting jobs. So it's something that they posted on social media, something that they said. Um, you see a lot of things pop up from what you said when you were younger I, as an athlete like mm -hmm. you know that that was gonna hunt you later on that's right you're gonna be like this mega star um so you know just educating yourself on the social media how it can help your life and how it can hurt your life absolutely and i think you know that's that's a part of the mental health thing too you've got to learn how to disconnect at some point you know um sometimes what you don't see and what you can't hear can't hurt you. And if you're always connected to it and always watching it and always looking for, you know, that response of how somebody is going to react to things that you're doing, it's like you're constantly connected. So I really hope people sort of learn with social media that it's okay to disconnect. <laughs> it's all right to disactivate for a few days. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. So now we're in the coaching space, you know, um, you're in a writing space. Will there be more books? Uh, probably in the future. I'm looking forward to uh, a part two, just because okay. of some of the 
negative reactions I got from like family and friends and some people close to me and some of the positive things that are going on in my life sure. um, that I want to share and the negative things. Um, I think it's like some stories that I would actually want to touch on a little bit more uh, just mm -hmm. to elaborate, um, just to clear the air and then um, just share some of the great things that I'm doing and will continue to do. Sure. Will you do a book, sort of a guiding book? You know what I mean? I kind of see that for you, this <laughs> book of guiding young people towards, you know what I mean? Not necessarily down certain paths, but if you go down this path of, of playing sports, or even if you're an entertainer or a musician or whatever, like, is there a book in you that talks about, you know, just those things to look out for? Um, and here's how you do it and do it well, because you've done it well. You've done it well. I can see that, but I'm more like a storyteller when it comes to my life. And sure. Keep it in more so like a memoir, kind of like the first book that I did. Um, I think I did a pretty good job to finally get it out after all this time, but hopefully one day I'll be able to sit down and push a second book out. Yeah. Yeah. A second, a third. Yeah. <laughs> you push it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe a third. I, I mean, it just depends on like what headspace, um, what it is that I'm doing, like how much time like um, I have to invest, and then having to go back and continue to like go to therapy to get those stories out because okay. it is like digging in that trauma and like ripping the bandaid off or ripping the scab off an old cut. Sure, sure. So, so the trauma ever gone? I mean, I know the answer to this, but some people may not know. It, does the trauma ever go away or is it always sort of lurking? Um, it definitely lurks. I don't say it goes away because it's just like sometimes something else just pops up and it triggers mm -hmm. something that happened in my past, um, especially when it comes to like death. That's like one of the big ones for me when somebody close dies it always yeah. triggers back to me losing my mom and then me losing my nephew and then I kind of get in this like grieving stage because I, I think I've only grieved or maybe two times in my life when it came to my mom and I wasn't able to do it properly the first time and now I know like the signs of you know different things but it, it definitely lurks around um, I wouldn't say it just goes away like we know how to compartmentalize certain things that happen to us and we try to bury them deep and throw away the key. Um, but they're, they're come back up. Yeah. Yeah. I saw the, um, the documentary that you did and was just, you know, I, I was just right there with you, right? Like just sort of reliving and seeing different places again, like you said, that sort of trigger these memories and triggery trigger emotions and feelings about different things. So what, um, what sort of space did that put you in? Was that just a surreal moment going back? Um, so I've been back to the neighborhood mm -hmm. and I've never been back to the church until that day. Mm -hmm. So like, I haven't been in there since my mom passed and they always asked me to like come speak and sure. come do certain things instead of just saying like, I can't handle it. I just would say no, mm -hmm. but I knew the reason why, but I couldn't share at that very moment. So when Stretch TV, they asked to do a story on me through golf. Um, I was like, all right, cool. Like now's the time, like I can do this. Like I'm gonna go back in the church. And um, as soon as I went back in there, it was just like this cold chill feeling that came over top of me. It was like, I accomplished something when I went in um, and I faced like a fear of like going back. But it was also like, man, like I really did sit in this same spot mm -hmm. uh, as a young child yeah. and watch my mom be carried out of this church. Uh, it just triggers, some, it's like trauma, like that trauma comes back. And um, when I left out of the church, it was like, all right, like I overcame something. I could go back in there now and speak and do certain things that the church asked me sure. instead of just keep running away all these years. Yeah, it's, you know, I, and it, there's something that happens as someone who's lost their mother as well, not as young as you. Um, and I can't even imagine what that feeling is like, but as for people who have lost a parent, right? Um, and your mom was your, you know, she was your rock. She was your, she was your first mentor, right? Um, so to, to lose that person, 
um, it is. It's difficult to go back into spaces where you remember that person. It's difficult to go back into spaces where um, the threat of that trigger may happen. Um, and so I'm, I'm glad when I saw you do that, um, you know, as a therapist, that's one of those moments where you're like, yes, she's, she's growing through it and certainly not going to get over it, but growing through it to a point where it's not crippling anymore. And I hope that's what happens for our young people is that people recognize that you can grow through something. It's not going to go away completely, but at least to get people to a point where they're not crippled by some of the circumstances that happen. And so I was just so happy and so moved by that whole documentary. I think it was, you know, pretty phenomenal. It was done really well. Um, but what about golf? Because that was a mom thing too. So any, any plans for it? I told y'all she does everything. This is like, this is, you are the type of young lady that for me as a mother who has daughters, right? Who are athletes, um, not much younger than you. You are the young lady that we hope our daughters to become, that we want them to be able to recognize that they have weaknesses and things that they need to work through. We want them to, you know, find the strength to do it anyway. Mm -hmm. um, we want them to reach for these different goals and things that they never thought they would be able to do. And so that's why I say to you, this is, this is so, this is such an important conversation. And I hope for young people out there that they get this, that there's so much more than you can ever even imagine that you can become. Um, and so, yeah, so golf, are, are we going back to golf? Are we, we hitting the LG, uh, PGA tour? What are we doing? Um, as of right now with the two jobs, uh, I can't really fit it in, but it's like a hobby, like just to be able to go out there and still hit the golf balls and sure. go out there and just, even if I just sometimes go out there by myself and I just imagine like my mom is here. Um, but just know, like if my mom was here, I would not be playing in the WNBA. I would be on the LPGA tour right That's now. That's interesting. Um, but no, like, I mean, I, I still play as a hobby. And hopefully one day, like, I can go like on the Pro-Am tour and do some stuff or just, you know, go on some of the like celebrity tours that they sure. have. How did your mom get you into golf? How did, how did that even start? So uh, one of my friends, his name was Lil Ben. He played golf. I'm like, golf, that's a white people's boy. Like, that's just what I believe. Um, right. I never right. knew anybody besides like Tiger Woods. Um, outside of that, I'm just like, no, that's like a, a white person's sport. That's just how, you know, um, I viewed it at that time. And then his dad was like, well, kind of come out there. I mean, I knocked the church window out as most people will read in the book. Uh, and then a golf coach asked me, but Mr. Ben, his dad, was the one who like really introduced me and got me like very into into the game. And I was I went out there and I was just like a natural talent. Like they just showed me like little techniques, like how to swing and keeping your eye down and all of that. But once I picked that up, like I was able to go advance quick. And um, when I brought it back to my mom, my mom was like, "What like?" That's a white person's sport. Now you see where I got it from. I got it from my mom. Um, but she was open. She was like, if you're going to put all your energy and effort into it, you can do it. Um, if not, like, don't waste my money and don't waste my time. <laughs> yeah. Clear day, like, don't too much money to waste on you and having to buy your uniform and having to pay for you to go and catch a ride and do it. So once I got into it, I mean, I lost my first tournament. Uh, my mom used to come to every practice. Uh, every tournament that I had and when I lost that first one I came in third place I was so mad so mad and um, after that she came and I would like win first place yeah. almost every single time yeah what you know you touched on a little bit of something we have a question from um, from our audience as well that goes along with this so you know golf is not a cheap sport um, and, you know, I think your mom had the conversation with you that I had with my daughters who play volleyball, who, which is not a cheap sport. Um, and that is, if you're going to do it, I'm going to support you and I'm going to do what I need to do, but I'm not paying all of this money if you're not serious about it. And so one of the questions is, what advice would you offer 
youth from low-income communities with limited resources who are wanting to excel in sports. Because now here we are, right, where it's almost, especially in sports like golf, volleyball, soccer, if you're not playing, if you're not paying to play, it's very hard for you to excel. So what, what advice do you have for kids who, who may not be able to afford all of this? Um, then what? I mean, I, at one point, I really couldn't afford to really play golf, but mm -hmm. we had people in our community was like, well, we'll give so Sugar can go to this tournament. And sometimes I had to fundraise for certain things. So whether I had to like sell candy for $2, uh, whatever the case may be, like that's kind of how my mom made a way for me and me making a way for myself because I sold candy at school as well um, to get certain things as far as like golf cleats and clothes and stuff of that nature. Um, and I also like when it came to basketball, I played on the free teams mm -hmm. and I became good at what I was doing. And that's how I was able to get on the more advanced team. But like you said, like those things cost more money. So then my team would do fundraisers for the kids who are coming from those communities mm -hmm. and then they will all help fundraise so that I could go on those trips and I think that's the thing I'm like man like I was just so grateful to be on a team like that where everybody parents who could afford to go like they would just pay and then we would do like car washes sell donuts uh, sell candy so that the, the two people who couldn't afford can now afford to go on those trips so I just say, you know, continue to just work hard and what you do. Somebody's going to see you somewhere, whether they see you outside at the park, they see you a million miles away, like they're going to see you and they're going to ask you to come be on their team and they're going to ask you to come for free. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because that's how what happened to me when I went to the, the EYBL circuit and the Nike team, like some kids had to like pay but I couldn't afford to pay, but my talent, I was so good that it was like, no, like we're gonna find a way for you to come. And they had to come pick me up sometimes 30 minutes cause I couldn't find a ride. That's right. Um, I ain't had no money. I, I think we have to do a better job, Sugar. I don't know. It, it's like, you know, transportation is always an issue, right? Um, especially for kids in low income communities. And so, um, yeah, I can, I wanna go. And I want to play. I want to play, and you may even scholarship me to do it, or I may even, you know, work. Like you said, I may sell candy. I may do whatever I need to do. But then there's that transportation thing, right? And and the safety thing because I may be able to get there, but is it the safest way for me to get there? Um, and those are all all major concerns. And I wonder, is there something that again the sports community needs to do to assist with young people being able to have access even to sports? Um, I mean, it's, a, it's plenty of things that we can do. I think far as like coaches and mentors, mm -hmm. if you have the time, if you have the transportation to get somebody to the practice, if you're going in that route or that direction, you may go out of your direction to pick that kid up. Sure. I would say just take a chance on that kid. Uh, give that kid an opportunity that they wouldn't get. Um, you never know what kind of kid you may create or, you know, what kind of opportunity you may create for that kid in the future. And I know when some people look back on me, they're like, oh yeah, I gave her a ride. And when I see them people now, like, I'm like, thank you, like, for what you did for me, because you didn't have to do that. My best friend didn't have to, she stayed all the way on the other side of my city and her mom used to come get me every day so that I could come to practice, but she didn't have to do that. Sure. She just wanted me to be able to play the sport. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I, mean, I mean, if you can, like whatever resources you have, donate them to the community. And that may be just picking somebody up from a, for a ride to practice. And I think, you know, you touched on something really funny. You said a mom did it. And I think, you know, especially with sports like basketball and, you know, some of these other sports that are typically seen as, you know, boy sports, right? that when it's time, even on the rec level, right? When it's time for someone to volunteer to coach, right? Generally it's dads. It's dads like, oh, whether they have the ability or not, right? <laughs> whether, whether they have the skill or the know-how or not, it's generally dads that'll step up and say, 
I'll volunteer and coach my kids team or I'll be a coach or I'll help out, I'll assist. Um, I really wish, and if, if players are out here listening, if mothers are out here listening, what's really important for girls in sports is that we see more women in there. And so I really hope that moms, whether you have the skill or not, because trust me, plenty of dads don't, <laughs> you know, whether you have the skill or not, please step up and volunteer and, 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 and be that mentor. If for no other reason, if for no other reason, but to mentor young girls and be in that space so that they can see you and they can see, because we can, you know, if at the rec centers and other coaches and directors, we can train coaches to do the basics, right? What's more important is that you show up for them, that you show up and that you're there and you're a mentor for them. And so, um, yeah, I just want to see more women saying, I'll do it. I'll do it. I won't just be snack mom, right? Yeah, yeah. Don't be, don't be just a snack mom, man. The snack mom is important. Don't get me very, wrong. Very, <laughs> Um, but you know, volunteer for those coaching jobs. Like you can yeah. do it dads do it with no experience. They just out there just to be out there. Yeah. But we need to see more women um in, in all sports, not just mm -hmm. like on, the rec level, on the rec level, but like on the collegiate and the profession, yeah. um, you know, wherever it's needed to to see more women. Yep. Out there. I agree. I agree. If anybody has any more questions, please feel free to throw them in the chat. We're coming down to our, you know, to the end of our hour. Already? Um, I know. I know this happens so quickly and the conversation is so good. And so we've got some time, Sugar. You know what I want to ask you. You know <laughs> what I want to ask you. All right, go ahead. You get, you get a free pass on this. Hour. Okay. So you have finished your master's degree. What is your master's in? Sports industry management sports industry management, and you're out here coaching. And I know you talked a little bit about what potentially could be next, right? Is there a doctorate coming out of you? They asked me to go back to school. Um, I'm, I'm just like, I just graduated. I need some time in between. It took me, what, uh, almost seven years, six and a half years to get my master's. I think it's probably going to take me another lease eight, eight years <laughs> for me to go back, especially I, it's a two job now, where I, at first I was just like a professional uh, student athlete. And now to be like double coach, I don't, I don't think that is, it's going to be too much on my plate for me to do it right now. I hear you. I hear so maybe you. one layoff, maybe I will take a few classes here and there. And you, you, you can, you can spread it out. You can spread it out. I see it. I'm going to manifest it because I see it. I can absolutely see Dr. Sugar Rogers, absolutely see it. Um, and, and I think that it's something that number one, your community would, um, would go crazy, right? Um, to see that accomplishment from you, um, your teammates and your coaches and, and, and everyone who knows you um, I think we already see it as you already are Dr. Sugar Rogers with what you've put out there. Um, so I'm just gonna, I'm gonna be sitting in the, waiting in the winds, waiting for you to call me up and say, all right, I'm in it. I'm in it. I'm doing this. So I'll just wait patiently. I won't push, but I'll wait patiently. That sounds like a push in the back to me, but no, um, I definitely need to call when it's happening. I yeah. think I have to really like be in the right headspace. Oh, absolutely. When I went back for my master's, I was like, I wanted to do it two years prior. So here's sure. the story behind that. I wanted to do it two years prior and I didn't have the opportunity. I'm like, at this point, like, I'm like, I'm paying for it. Yeah. Um, that's just how I was thinking. And um, two years later, it was like, all right, like you can come back now. And I was like, dang it, I wanted this two years ago. Like, why, why now? Yeah. So I was like, you ask for this, like you pray for this, like embark on this opportunity. And that's what I did. Yeah. Um, and then this is how, uh, if you're spiritual, like that's just how God works sometimes. Yep. Like, you don't get it, it. It'll present itself again. It's going to present itself again. I promise you it will. <laughs> yeah. it, will. it will. It will. It will. We got another question, Sugar. Um, what are your top two or three coaching tips? That's a great question. Mm -hmm. 
I don't know, I might have to, you might have to reach back to me on social media for this one, because this is going to take me some time to think of. I can't just throw nothing out there at this very moment. Yeah, that's that's a tough one, especially since you're just dipping into this. I mean, this is, you know, it's relatively new. Um, I ain't got my toes wet yet. I ain't got my toes wet yet in the water. So how do the girls, how do the, the women, because these are, these are women now, um, <laughs> you know, the your ex-teammates at the Aces, how do they receive you now? You're in a different role. So how are they receiving you? Oh, they receive me with open arms. I just remember like being on the Zoom and I had been texting them like, you know, before the season was starting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I came in on the Zoom and everybody was like, what? I was I couldn't tell y'all, like I couldn't, like it just felt <laughs> so bad. Like, cause I couldn't tell yeah. like, I really wanted to. And then I remember like getting here, having to go through like the whole hiring process. But then when I got on the court, like everybody just embracing me and just excited for me to to be a coach. Um, I was a player's coach, but they like excited for me to be in this role. Are they listening? Do they listen to you or are they like, sugar? No, they actually really do like listen to me, like and listen to what I, you know, say. Like I don't do nothing crazy, like get on the line and let's run some sprints type stuff. Right. Uh, When I like talk, they like uh, listen and they receive me very well. Good. Good. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to watching you out there. Now I'm gonna be zoning in on the, I probably won't even be watching the game. I'll be looking over at the sideline to watch you. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna be looking for that. I've heard I've like cheer like a player's there because I'd be like, oh, and I'd be throwing them a three sign. I'm just I'm all into it. But it's just, I mean, that's how I am when it comes to games and just yeah. cheering you know, yep. the players on because they put a lot, you know, a lot goes into playing the game. So do you miss playing and draining all those three-pointers? That's a question. Uh, not really. I mean, I roll out of bed and I'm like, I don't have to run today. <laughs> and I can eat whatever I want. I mean, I'm getting uh, some weight here and there. But um, yeah. I mean, I do miss like, you know, sometimes out there. But for the most part, like I am in a new passion. Like I enjoy um, being able to teach sure. my knowledge with these young women. Um, so once you discover a new passion, it's like, oh yeah, like I enjoy playing for that moment. And here's another moment and I enjoy sure. playing. So what were, what are some of your favorite moments? Can you think of just in throughout your career? What's been some of your favorites? I mean, the relationships I was able to build with some of the players that I still have now, um, those are like my top, but like obviously winning a championship, winning six women of the year, uh, probably was on my top as well because I it was just a season full of up and down and I was able to overcome um that experience of starting then coming off the bench um that like took a toll on me mentally because you work so hard to be a starter for them now you have to make the sacrifice for the betterment of the team and this is what it looked like mm-hmm. was like oh man like okay cool yeah. But just to be able to overcome that. And then, um, you know, going to the championship last year, although we didn't win, um, that was a great experience. Uh, and playing in a bubble because that was, ooh, that was on a whole nother level, just like mentally, spiritually, and physically. Yeah, because you're trying to stay, you're trying to not only stay healthy, but you're literally trying to stay healthy and not get COVID and, and not pass it to anybody else. And that's, yeah. that's a whole nother level. Um, yeah. In this one like set area. And most people like sometimes compare it to jail, but it's not like that in a sense. Yeah. Like that's kind of what people compare it to. Cause I know people like in jail, like no. Sure. That's not ain't nothing like that. <laughs> like like this area and you cannot get out. Like you see the yeah. same people every day. I'm like, I know, like I can't go to jail because sure. I can I wouldn't able to I wouldn't be able to deal with it mentally. Sure. Um, but that was just a challenge I was able to overcome and just be a part of having 144 players in the same room from all yeah. the teams. Um when we was fighting for like social justice and a different yeah. Yeah, that's that's in my top. Uh, what else is in my top? Mm-hmm. There's so many things. I so many about. things. Yeah, so many, so many experiences. And you know, did you did you ever think as a little girl that basketball would take you all the different places that you've gone? No, 
I mean, I didn't see basketball in my future. Mm-hmm. I didn't see basketball like playing professionally in my future until I was uh, a freshman in college and I had won the the rookie of the, the Big East Rookie of the Year award. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting to I was sitting on the podium with Maya Moore and Tina Charles, right. who was projected to go top like in the WNBA. So I was like, oh, like I can really, you know, I can really do this. Yeah. You know. That's like when my dream of like going to the WNBA uh, became. So I was just like, when I did get drafted, this was like a so rare moment for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I can't imagine. You know, again, I I've got girls that are athletes, and I know for certain that they would probably not have. Maybe they they would have, but not the course that they've done it. Certainly not as early as they did have traveled to the places that they've traveled, um, met the people that they've met, um, Mm -hmm. had the experiences that they've had, had it not been for them being an athlete. Um, And it's, it's, (laughs) yeah, it's, it's one of those things that you could never, um, I don't think they ever even thought of for themselves, right? That, that, you know, I've got an older daughter that played overseas. I know in her wildest dreams, she never thought for a minute that that's where, you know, volleyball would take her, but it did. Mm-hmm. And so um, I just really want young people everywhere to have that opportunity, right? That it's not just reserved for those that can afford to pay, um, to play, that all of our kids in every single community have that opportunity to to have these experiences that sports provides for them. So um, yeah, I I just, again, this has been fun, um, a great conversation, one that I've been looking forward to having with you. Um, I know for one, we at Up To Us Sports are really, really proud of the work that you're doing um, just with young people with, you know, with telling your story and sharing your story and your background and, and how you've come through all of that. I think it's just so, it's such important work. Um, and I hope you just continue to do it, continue to do it. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, and just thank you for having me on. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. It, you know, fun to be a part of up to us sports and just being able to use my resources, um, but whatever it is that y'all need, just being able to give back to the community in any way that y'all see fit. So I'm just thankful for the opportunity. Awesome, awesome. If you all wanna get a copy of Sugar's book, we've got a link in the chat. Um, Please get a copy of it. Awesome book. Um, I think someone mentioned before they read it in a night. It's like one of those that you just don't put down. Um, you just fly through it because it's such an easy read. It's such an important read um, and very well done. Very well done. So I, as, as a mother, I know that your mom is super proud, super proud of, of the young lady that you've turned into. So thank you. Thank you. And with that, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Um, to our first um, one-on-one with Up To Us Sports. Stay tuned for many, many more. Hopefully we can get some more um, extraordinary um, people like Sugar Rogers to join us. Have a good night. See ya.